You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. The line between self-destruction and enrichment is very, very fine. And the only way to step over that line is to change your story. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life, where you will learn two important things. One, how to discover and communicate your authentic message in a way that compels people to listen, to like you, trust you, and want to do business with you. And two, where you will learn how to change the stories that you tell yourselves, the ones that are limiting your life, and to replace them with stories that expand your life, enrich it, bring you more happiness, success, and everything that you want and deserve from this experience that we're all sharing. When you learn something that is an aha for you and you share it with others, by articulating it, you learn it and absorb it at a deeper level. And at the same time, your learning has a ripple effect in the lives of others. And that will always come back to you in an enriching way that you can't even begin to imagine. So, when you get value from this show, go to iTunes, and where it asks you for review, simply leave or express your biggest takeaway from today's episode. And when it asks you for a rating, hopefully I have earned a five-star rating from you, And you give that to the show. Your actions will help the show to climb the ranks even higher in iTunes and to reach more people. Thank you in advance for doing that. Books are one of my favorite topics because they are one of the most powerful tools for expanding us, enriching us, and helping us to make significant breakthroughs. Take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible, a free audiobook of your choice. You choose from more than 180,000 titles, and you get access to all of Audible service for free for an entire month. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and choose the audiobook that excites you the most right now. I have also created a personal gift for you, the listeners of this show, an ebook that will quickly and in a very entertaining way help you to become a more powerful 
and compelling communicator in every area of your life. It's called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. And to claim your free copy, simply visit the site for this podcast called changeyourstorypodcast.com and on the homepage you will see where you can download the book and begin to enjoy it immediately. Thank you for being a listener, supporting this show, and joining a worldwide community of people who are constantly expanding their growth. Today's guest is a master at transforming a destructive story into one of hope, empowerment, and success. From criminal to creator, from teenage drug dealer to international speaker, author, trainer, and motivator to sales teams, pro athletes, politicians, and other prominent personalities. He helps reunite children with estranged mothers, build schools in Central America, and purify water systems in Africa. His book, From the Hood to Doing Good, and his journey to wealth training inspire people around the world to achieve greatness. Get ready to unleash your greatness with Johnny Wimbry. Johnny, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you, Lewis. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. I am super excited about this interview after finding out your background. This is going to be fun, man. Let's go. It is going to be fun. Let's start with where you grew up. I was actually uh, born in Fort Worth, Texas, and um, my first memory in life was actually San Jose, California, where you know I lived in a battered women's shelter when I was three years old. So the first memory that I have in life was living in a battered women's shelter. Wow. Yeah, the, the, they, they sent us to San Jose for protection, and um, that's kind of just where I started school. It's where I started my life, but ultimately was raised in Fort Worth. So now, when you were growing up as a child, who would you say was the person who influenced you the most? You know, as a child, um, you know, unfortunately, my influences was was basically what I was surrounded around the most. And I was surrounded around gangs and violence and drugs and destruction. There were inspiring people in my life, but for some reason, I was more compelled to to to, to look to the side of the tracks or the side of life that I shouldn't have looked at, and I subscribed to it. But there are people in my life, you know, i got a brother who's 11 months older than I am. His name is Willie Wimbery. Willie's a minister. Willie was a good kid, never really got in trouble. You know, he was a really big inspiration, but he was my brother. So I rebelled against him, and i got a brother who's, you know, two years older than I am that, that, that's serving 40 years in prison. And I think I look more up to my brother who's in prison than I did my brother who was doing the right thing. And that's just youth and, and being in the streets and being surrounded around that kind of life. Mm-hmm. I get you. And it's uh, that's powerful. Peer pressure is extremely powerful. Absolutely. hundred percent. Now, even in that environment, did you have a childhood dream of who you wanted to be as an adult? You know, um, I wanted to be happy. Um, and here's what's really crazy, Lewis. I don't have a memory in my life of thinking I was going to be broke as an adult. Like I, I have never entertained the fact that I would not be successful. It's like I knew inside I would, all I had to do was stay alive and I would be successful. Staying alive was kind of the key component <laughs> of success. 
And I thought about this just a few years ago. How could someone who, you know, sit on a, a floor in an empty apartment that the government put us in in San Jose, California, you know, we're saying God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for our food. And we don't even have furniture and we're opening up, you know, uh, TV, uh, 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 microwave meals or whatever you used to call them, you know, bags of Cheerios, powdered milk. You know, we you know, we had to be creative for food. And even going through all that, failing the second grade, coming back to Fort Worth, Texas, being introduced to my father for the first time, who would ultimately raise me. And he was a trash man. And, you know, being raised, you know, when I was growing up in Fort Worth, you know, Fort Worth was one of the murder capitals of, of the nation per capita. And and and, and it was just a, a, a very rough place where I was where I was raised. And I'm saying all that to say this, even though I went through all of that, I have zero memories of entertaining the fact that I wouldn't be successful. Well, you know, um, we think it and we live into it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's, and, and you're certainly familiar with Les Brown. I believe you've met him. Yeah. Les Brown's is like, like a father to me. I've traveled all over the world with Les. I've written books with Les. Um, I've shared incredible stages with Les. I've been on television with Les. I've, I've, uh, mentored Les, um, when it comes to selling. Uh, so Les, Les and I are decades apart, but, uh, uh, attached at the hip at this point. Well, I, I mentioned him, of course, because he had also a really devastatingly poor background. Yeah, and, uh, and like he always says, you know, uh, he was considered <laughs> the educable, mentally retarded guy who now, yeah. you know, is one of the most respected speakers on the planet. So <laughs> there you go. Now, yeah, you know, a lot of times, you know, you know, the, the, the the majority of the individuals will allow a title to dictate their future. And he taught me, don't allow your past to determine your future. You know, where you come from doesn't have to dictate where you're going. And it was Johnny Wimbry that had to disassociate with the title. You know, felony arrest as a teenager, failed the second grade, father was an abusive alcoholic, you know, mother was unstable. And, 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 and you know, it just my mom, my mom put us on, a, on an airplane and, and sent us back to Fort Worth and said, I'll see you in two weeks. And we didn't see her for three years. And that's why I really realized that bad husband doesn't mean bad father because my father stepped up. He didn't want us to be taken away from him. So even with all that being said, you know, according to the stats that have been done against me, I'm supposed to be in prison. I'm supposed to be in jail. I'm supposed to be dead like a lot of my homies. You know, I'm supposed to, you know, be a failure in life, an abusive father, an alcoholic. But I just refuse to participate and what society says I'm supposed to be. I love it. And, you know, I don't know if you're aware of the fact, but you, with all the things you just said in your background, you have all the credentials to belong to the Genius Network. To the Genius Network? Yeah. Do, do you know, you're familiar with Joe Polish's Genius Network? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, if you look at it... I'm curious now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I joke about it, but there's a certain truth to it that most of the people, there are certainly him... Yeah, I mean, he was a crack cocaine addict, uh, you know, um, uh, at the you know knocking on death's door, and today mm -hmm. is one of the most influential people in the world, you That's know, awesome. um, and Thank a lot of the highly successful people there are high school dropouts. Now, did you find anything appealing about the criminal lifestyle? Man, uh, to be asked this question from you <laughs> is. <laughs> It's quite, um, it's an honor and, and there's a, you know, it's, there, there's a dichotomy at the exact same time because, you know, 
you play the gangsters in movies, um, and I love gangster movies. My, I, you know, sometimes I sacrifice my Saturdays to get caught up, like Bad Blood, and that's a that's a show out of Canada. Uh, just finished that. I love gangster movies. Um, you know, ask that question one more time to make sure I'm answering it correctly. Did you, while you were in the life, the criminal life, did you find yeah. anything appealing about that lifestyle? Okay, I'm glad you repeated the question because I wanted them to hear you say it. <laughs> Listen, um, the word appealing, and I don't want my listeners or your listeners to get caught up in the sensationalism. You know, I'm a risk taker. I'm a walking, talking risk taker. The number one reason that I believe that people do not start the process of of, of, of creating success in their life is because they're afraid to take risk. You know, I'm, I, I was on the streets. You know, I every day when I walked out of the house, I was a walking, talking billboard of a risk. I could have died. I could have been locked up. I could have been robbed. I could, there are a lot of things that could have happened to me. Could have been kidnapped, held for ransom. A lot of things could have happened to me. So I have already mastered the art of taking risks. So if I want to sensationalize anything from the streets, I would say I mastered the art of becoming a risk taker and taking a risk even to this day day. Taking risk is a thrill for me. It's, you know, some people go on roller coasters. Some people, you know, go skydiving. I've done all of that, but there's something about taking a risk. And I brought that into the business world that has led me to over a hundred million dollars, you know, and, you know, building my business. No, listen, it, I hear you. And, uh, I don't know if you, have you read the 50th law? No, give me a synopsis. Okay. It's by, um, uh, I've heard about it. Who wrote the 48 laws of power? Um, not John Maxwell. That is, uh, not at all. No, 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 no. Oh, that is Robert, Robert Greene. Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay. the 50th law is about what we can learn about leadership and power from 50 Cent. And Robert Greene spent an entire year with 50 Cent. Wow. And wrote exactly. this book. Now, it's <laughs> it's really insightful because, yeah. I mean, this guy was a hardcore felon. And what, well, 50, and you talk, you, I know, right. He doesn't let up. He's, he, still, he's still pressuring people right now. I mean, he, he's well, petty. What I mean by petty is he doesn't let you get away with anything. Any, any, I don't care if it's, if you owe him 50 cents, he's coming for you. Well, the thing is, yeah, he says that, like you talk about risk because your you your life was on the line all the time. Well, this guy should have been dead. He was shot. Yeah. I, I don't know how many times when he was sitting in a car, and he 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 says, when you come out of an experience like that and you survive it, he said, there's nothing that can scare him in business. Nothing. You know what? That right there, like what you just said, is the essence of who I am. I'm not afraid to meet new people. I'm more afraid of being broke than sticking my hand out and saying, hello, my name is Johnny Wimbry. Mm -hmm. that, that is not a risk for me. The streets were a risk. Quick story. I was um, I, I flew in to New York to audition for a show that 50 Cent was working on. And um, we both have an acting background. Uh, and, and, and most people don't know that about me. But I got an associate's degree in acting and theater. 
And my daughters are actresses, actually. But I, I flew in to, to because he was working on a show called um, Get Rich or Die Trying, which is a play on, on, on one of his best-selling albums and, or, and, and movie. And they were looking for a host of a reality show that was working with hardcore people on, in the streets that were CEOs, but CEOs in the streets. So it was from the hood to doing good meets get rich or die trying and i was the host of that show and uh i don't know whatever happened but i, I think 50 put it on hold for right now mm, nice that's the first time i've ever said that out loud that's cool man that's really cool yeah now was there a pivotal event that changed the direction of your life yeah absolutely you know, the event that happened in my life, I don't wish this on anyone. I, I would pray to God that people who are listening to me right now, if you know, if, if you have somebody in your life that's going down the wrong street, and when I mean the wrong street, that means they have options. I was kind of like that Will Smith character. I was, you know, that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was the kid that was really good at making people laugh and entertaining people and being the class clown. But I was also that kid that was really good at being bad where people didn't even know what I was doing. Like there were people who know me for years that didn't even know I was selling drugs until they re read my book. And there were people who found out and it broke my heart when they found out what I was doing. So um, I, I found myself in a situation that um, one of my homeboys were murdered. And I talk about this in my book, From the Hood Doing Good. And I got a, I got a call from one of my homies uh, named Spud Curtis Coleman. And he called me in 1993 during the Super Bowl. It was halftime. And I, and I picked up the phone and I said, hey, man, what's up? He said, man, Mookie's dead. I was like, what are you talking about Mookie's dead? He said, he's dead and so-and-so killed him. And I knew the person who killed him. And there was this rage that came over me. And the night of the wake, we planned um, to uh, retaliate. And first, we we're going to pay respect. So the mother and the family invited us to come to the wake. Um, and and I pretty, it probably was a setup. Um, I'm a junior in high school. I'm 18 years old. And she got in front of her son's casket and she said, I forgive the young man who killed my son. And Lewis, this was my moment. My homies were sitting next to me. They heard exactly what I heard. And this is the difference between being present and being here. They were there. They were here. They, they, they were there. For some reason, I was present because I couldn't believe that she had the strength to stand up and speak before her son in front of his casket while the casket was still open. And she said these words. She said, I forgive the young man who killed my son. Now, this is you asked for a, a, a moment. This was the moment. For some reason, I was paying attention and I actually heard what she said. And I, I, I became I mean, I feel guilty. I feel stupid, to be honest with you. I feel stupid because I was going to go, go get revenge, and the mom found forgiveness. And I thought that getting revenge would be disrespectful to her because she said, I forgive you. So here I am sitting in a church. I have a gun, and I asked the, the, the minister to meet me outside in the parking lot, and I gave him my gun. And I said, man, listen, I'm done. You know, I, I, I can't go get revenge when the mother already found forgiveness, and I just got to get away from this life, man. I, I want to do something different. And he looked at me as Reverend Fitzgerald, and he said, I'm, you know, I'm not giving you this gun back, right? And I said, please don't give it back. And that night I prayed, and I said, God, send somebody in my life that can help me stay on the right track. And I was pretty much picturing a mentor. The next day at the funeral, there were some girls sitting on the same road that I was on that I didn't recognize, and they were pretty hot chicks. 
And I'm like, man, who are these girls? How do they know Mookie? I mean, they don't look like they're from the streets. They don't act like they're from the streets. How do they know Mookie? And um, one of the girls, her name was Crystal. Today, Crystal is my wife. This year, I mean, this month, uh, we've been married for 21 years. And she really helped save my life because she made me think different and talk different. I wouldn't take her to my side of town because I didn't want her to get caught up. So being with her was a major distraction, but that was the major moment. And it wasn't perfection moving forward. Trust me, it was not perfection. I messed up. I dropped the ball. But because I had a foundation to get back to, by the grace of God, I ultimately made it out. Wow. You just What you just described has got to go into a movie. You know, it's funny you said that. Um, I was, <laughs> man, I, I love talking to you because <laughs> you pull things out of me that my audience, my followers, they don't even know about this. Um, I was pitched to do a show um, when Montel Williams was going off. Mm-hmm. They were pitch, they were pitching me to go on. This was about 2008. And you know, if you're in the uh, entertainment world in 2008, the uh, everything collapsed. And um, all shows were put on hold. And nothing new was basically being released. And that show was just put on hold and, 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 and no one ever came back to it. Um, and the contingency, I had a contingency contract that if I got my own television show that went live, on a on a premier network then i had a 20 million dollar budget to do a movie Mm. on my life and uh, god works in mysterious ways because exactly at that particular time i separated from my wife and we were going through a divorce and that right there um caused me to slow down reevaluate and save my marriage (laughs) <laughs> and I would say this, the marriage is way more valuable than any talk show or any 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 movie that I could have gotten um if I didn't slow down and save my wife. I I would choose my wife and my family over any opportunity um on the planet. Well maybe I'll just have to steal the scene and put it into a movie I write. <laughs> hey, listen, call me. I you may need some investors. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get a cameo role. I'll walk through. Oh yeah, listen, man. I'm sure you'd be great. You'd be great on camera. I think we've got to give you more than a cameo. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. One of the things that uh, I do want to impart, I didn't plan to talk about this, but this is for your listeners right now too. I've taught acting for many, many years, and I'm going to be putting together a course soon on how to audition for camera. But man. what's changed in my approach? is that when I was a younger person and I was more limited in my view, I subscribed to the idea that people are either talented or they're not, and you're born with it or you're not. And I no longer believe that at all. So when yeah. you when you said, you know, you could be in the movie, I believe that I could take anybody. Yeah. And if they allow themselves to be themselves, I can get them to act and deliver fabulous performances. I love that, man. Anything, anything I can do to be a part of that and help out, I will. Oh. My daughters, uh, they're, they go to a performing arts academy and my daughter, Psalms, she just graduated from high school and, um, she's got a full scholarship to Katie's, um, KD Conservatory 
um, Actors Conservatory. So she's going to do the film and production courses. And when she's done, she'll have a degree in film production and she'll have a degree in um, acting. And she got a full ride, man. I'm, I'm super proud of them. And what's crazy is I did my best to steer them away from the industry because you know just as well as I know that it's the highest form of rejection or auditions. My daughter has an audition tomorrow. One of my daughters has an audition tomorrow for Whataburger. If you're from Texas, you know what I'm talking about. And then my other daughter has an audition for a movie on Saturday, and we go on a cruise on Saturday. So here I am still in this acting world that I, that, that I ran from because the family is driving down to Galveston, Texas, which is five hours to get on this cruise ship. I'm taking my daughter to in Dallas, where I live, to an audition for a movie, and then we're going to catch a flight to catch up with them to make it to the cruise ship on time. So here I am still in this circle of auditions that I ran from because my daughters ran to it. Wow. And it is the highest form of rejection. So you teaching those classes is great. I would love to come in and um, and help in any fashion because, you know, it's the highest form of rejection because, uh, I mean, you know, the percentages of people booking a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very, very tiny. And but most people don't know how to audition for camera. What they like. I, it's amazing what they don't know that I mean, stage and, and, and you don't audition for camera the way you do for stage. But that, uh, let's not get into that. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we'll go down a whole rabbit hole. If we start that. But um, uh, I would love to know now what was the biggest obstacle to living inside the law? Wow. Good question. I could tell you you're an actor. The biggest obstacle to living inside the law, the biggest obstacle is the labels of my past. You know, uh, when I walked away from that lifestyle, you know, I wanted to become a professional at something, but, but I had a felony arrest as a teenager. So I applied for a job at American Airlines, couldn't get a job. FedEx couldn't get a job. Uh, UPS wouldn't give me a job. And then I said, you know, let me look at other industries. And in Texas, you can become a temporary licensed insurance agent. In Texas. So I became a temporary health and life, health and life insurance agent for 90 days. And I liked it. You know, I, I became one of the top agents, uh, top 50 agents in the United States my first 90 days. And, you know, I'm making money. I'm winning trips and things like that. And then I have to take the test. So I take the test three times, <laughs> passed it the third time. And, um, I sent my license in in the mail to the state of Texas, Texas Department of, um, um, insurance. And, you know, I got a letter back in the mail. I thought it was my license. I opened it up. Mr. Wembry, we're sorry to inform you. You can't represent the state of Texas because you have a felony. And it wasn't a convicted felony. It was a felony arrest. So I called the courthouse, and I don't even know why I did this. I don't even know why I thought it would work. I called the courthouse, and I said, man, listen. And I, the, the judge knew my name because he knew my uncle. And, you know, out of the 100 courthouses in Fort Worth, Texas, and how busy they are, the county clerk took my call. And I said, can you write a letter on my behalf asking the state of Texas just to give me another chance? I really want to get my life together. And I said, well, write it, Johnny, but you're talking about the state of Texas. They may not even read it. And I said, all I can do is all I can do. And they, they wrote the letter. I sent it in. I got another letter coming back about a week later from the Texas Department of Insurance no apology letter, no congratulations, no we'll give you another chance. It was just my license. Wow. <laughs> so the biggest obstacle is fighting against the titles that I created for myself. Okay, I'm so happy you said this because 
This is a big takeaway, people. The biggest obstacles are the stories that the world may try to impose on you, but then which you can either internalize or not. Mm. And so Johnny didn't internalize them. That's right. And that's what's important. They're stories. 100%. And you have the power to change them. That's the bottom yes. line on anything. Yeah, I'm so glad that you shared that. Uh, now, what did you learn in your street life that has actually helped you create legitimate success? You know, um, overcoming objections. Um, I don't hear people when they say no. Um, I don't entertain a no. Um, and I'm not afraid of it. So I knew, I, and like I said, you know, taking risk was huge. And that's, that, that's something I didn't have to learn how to do in the business world. But even more than that, you know, I, I wasn't weak in the streets. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't soft. You know, I wasn't, you know, one of those guys that, they can just ru- you know run up on and I'm a you know cowardly you know coward away and I got older brothers maybe that had something to do with it but you know I just wasn't one of those kids in the streets that were weak and so when I joined when I got into the business world legitimate business I just wasn't weak mm. I wasn't weak I, I I brought my I brought my street fight to the real fight that's wonderful because it, it really is an important thing. I love the, you remember the, the wire, right? Yeah, I remember the wire. <laughs> and uh, the character played by um, Idris Elba, I mean, it was wonderful because here was a guy who was going to university to learn mm-hmm. business that he could apply to his criminal organization. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think that's uncommon. No, I'm sure it's not. I know. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of bosses out there that, that, that don't get it twisted. They're not stupid. Not these days. These no. days, bosses are different. Huh? I know. It's very, very, very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what steps did you take to overcome your negative, destructive mindset? Because I'm sure that's not something that disappears instantly. No, it's still there. The, the, recognizing the fact that Many of the obstacles that I have to jump over are obstacles that I created. The greatest thing is taking responsibility. You know, responsibility is a very simple word. It means the ability to respond. So if I did the dirt then and I have to jump higher obstacles than the most, if, you know, I, it's my fault that I gave the world a running start, a head start. It wasn't my fault that I was in a battered women's shelter. It wasn't my fault that I failed the second grade. Life was not normal. It wasn't my fault that I was homeless and, you know, raised around, you know, gangs and violence and drugs, just like it wasn't my brother Willie's fault. It wasn't Willie's fault. Willie's 11 months older than I am. He did. He, he, he went everywhere I went. He was exposed to everything that I was exposed to, but he has zero criminal records. He's, he's never been in trouble with the law. I mean, he did great in school. He's a principal now. He, I mean, we went through the exact same thing. And I talk about this in my book, From the Hood to Doing Good. It's called the you factor. You know, you can be in the midst of hell with three people, five people, uh, 100 people, and you just be the only one that says, listen, I'm not going to stick my hand out to see if that fire is hot. Willie never stuck the hand out to see if it was hot. I did. So the answer to the question is, is taking responsibility. You know, 
I remember when I got the license back, and I mean, when, when the when the letter came from the Texas Department of Insurance, and they said, Jar, Johnny, we're, we're, we're you know, we 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 um, regret to inform you, you can't represent the state of Texas. You have a felony arrest. And I had that split second thought, that split second second thought, Lewis, came to my head. Screw this. I'm going back to the streets. I'm not going to let the man hold me down. The man's trying to hold me down. The man ain't trying to hold you down, Johnny. Shut up. You held yourself down. You participated. You, you're supposed to have to work harder. You're supposed to redeem yourself. You're, you're supposed to dig yourself out of the hole that you dug. It's you. You got to take responsibility. So the number one thing is I just learned to take responsibility and not be the victim and become the victor. Beautiful. Yes, indeed. <laughs> preach, brother, preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. on your IMD. I, I'm, on, I'm on your IMDb page, uh-huh. and I'm going to show, show the audience real quick. This okay, guy. cool. That's him right there, man. That's his IMDb. This guy is a stud. Don't me- uh, don't mess with me. I make you offers you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Gangster movies, I love it. (laughs) Next time you're filming a gangster movie, I promise you, I will fly in on my own dime, my own budget. I will carry your bags. I want to be on that set, man. uh, I'll I'll bring your coffee, whatever. That's cool. I'll serve you on the next set. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I've never been on a movie set where there was violence other other than with Chuck Norris one time. Oh, listen, I got to tell you a funny story. Your listeners will love this. I have a dear friend who's a a very uh, good playwright and an actor. He lives in Montreal. And uh, he's a very emotional guy. And we got into a conversation a couple of months ago on the phone Uh where because I was befriending a guy that he can't stand, okay? So he says to me, because he he lives inside of the Godfather movie. And so he says to me, yeah, okay, Fredo. And so I said to him, Vito, uh, I got a, I got news for you. You think that you are Michael Corleone and that, <laughs> and that I am Fredo. But the truth is that you are really Sonny Corleone and I am Tom Hagen. <laughs> wow. Man, <laughs> listen, when 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 someone shows you that they are a character in your life that's only there to tolerate you, pay attention. Oh, I know. There's a difference between people who tolerate you and people who celebrate you. And, you know, you got to make that distinction. And, and I got friends that I love that I know there are certain seasons of our life that they're just tolerating me, especially when I invite new people into the circle. Mm-hmm. They'll come around again or they won't, but, you know, I'll give them that opportunity. But in that season, you know, I never ignore when somebody tells me who or shows me who they are. Uh-huh. No, no, I got you. Believe me, I haven't ignored this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious, actually. Now, language is extremely powerful. We've been talking about that throughout. And what have you learned about ordinary words like but and try? I can't believe you're asking me that. I, either you did you did some hell of a research on me or this is just divine that you would ask that. Um, 
you know, in my book, the very first chapter, I actually think in my book, From the Hood to Doing Good, after the introduction, there's only one word on one page, and it's the word but, B-U-T. And the reason is it finishes a sentence from the from the previous page. And the bottom line is you have to get off your butt. And, the, the you know, the butt could be, you know, I'm going to quit smoking, but I'll start tomorrow. You know, I'm going to lose weight, but I'm going on a cruise. I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to start my business, but I'm going to wait till next month. But is the enemy of success. The but... The, the butt is – so you got to get off your butts. you got to run from your own butt. And the word try, my kids don't even say the word try. And if they do, it stings. It literally hurts on the inside because I've trained them that try has no value. You could, do, you could be a do baby or you could be a try baby. A try baby will never succeed because when you subscribe to the word try – Subscribing to the word try is saying I got a way out. So if someone says I thought you were going to do this, you can say I tried. No, try is an excuse for a future failure. Mm. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause because I think most people will miss that. Try is an excuse for a future failure. So when you say I'm going to try to, you have already set yourself up for the possibility of a future failure, and that's going to be your way out. Don't say you're going to try to do something. Say, I'm going to do my best. When I say the word try, and I do, I'm not perfect. When I say the word try, it literally like burns on the inside, and I'll correct myself if I'm on stage, television, radio, and I won't tell people why I'm correcting myself. I don't slow down to do that. I do it for me, and I'll say, I meant to say I did my best. And here's the thing. The words that you produce out of your mouth, your brain has no choice but to be obedient to the words that you're using. You know, Master Yoda said it best. Mm -hmm. There is no try. There's only do. There's do or do not do. That's right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that you said, so what would you say about your brain is... Uh, the brain uh, has no choice but, to, but be to be obedient to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. So when, you know, it's, it's, it's like having a dream or a nightmare. I dropped a, a video yesterday or the day before. I, I drop a lot of videos on my Instagram. So if you're listening to this, follow my, follow my Instagram at Wimbry. Everything's at Wimbry, by the way. Um, so I did a video yesterday or the day before. Um, I don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm doing my best to remember why I'm telling you this story. What, what were we just talking about? <laughs> the words try and but. And, uh... Yeah. Um, but oh, okay, so you subscribe to things. You're you, you mentally subscribe to things, and you got to be obedient to what you say. And it's just like being in a dream or a nightmare. You know, you got to realize how powerful your brain is. If you're in a dream or you're in a nightmare, the nightmare says you're about to die. You're burning in a fire. Your family members being chased. You're drowning. You're falling. The nightmare is saying that you're going through these things, and the brain automatically triggers, and you begin to manifest. In a, in, in a human form, in your, in your natural form, you begin to sweat, your heart's racing, you jump up out of your seat, I mean, out of your sleep, and you're still in the same peaceful situation. You're still in the exact same peaceful place you went to sleep in. The only thing that changed was your mind. The atmosphere didn't change, but your brain is so freaking powerful that it automatically becomes obedient to what you're thinking and the words that you are allowing to penetrate your mind and your soul.
I love it. You've got to be careful with your conscious words. I love it. You know, I think it's quite, to me, it's humorous, too. It's ironic that, you know, we walk around thinking we're so rational. And the truth is, we spend most of our lives scaring the hell out of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we man, do. That would be a good movie. We do, man. We do. Yeah. And, but, yeah, that's that, that, that's a great insight. Um like that. And by the way, when you say get off your butts, are you aware that there's a book called Get Off Your Butts? No. Yeah, it's by a powerful a motivational speaker named Sean Stevenson. And nice. when you see him, you'll understand why he has earned the right to say that. He's, well, you'll look him up. Get, off, look him up. get off your butts. He's also All part right. of the Genius Network with um, with Joe Polish. Yeah, man, get me in touch with those guys, or I'll have my office reach out to them. I'm writing it down right now. Oh yeah, I mean they'll. You, well, it's easy to get in. Well, you got to. Well, if you want to go to a Genius Network uh, event, you just mm -hmm. you just pony up ten grand and you go. <laughs> That's kind of the story of my life, man. I have no problem in investing in where I say I want to go. Well, that's anyway. That's a whole. It, it's fabulous. I mean, he's Thank the, 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 the. I think the next big one is in November of this year. Okay, I'll have my office look into it. Okay, good, man. Wonderful. So now, is there a fast track to overcoming negativity? Man, you know what? If, if, if you want to fast track overcoming negativity, surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the only way that you can continue to think about negative things is if you're hanging around negative people and you're hanging around negative atmospheres or you're just hanging around yourself. The worst thing that Johnny could do is trust Johnny. The, the worst thing that Johnny can do is be alone with Johnny's thinking. Because like Professor Einstein says, and I say it different. I can't even remember how he said it. Maybe it's a Johnny quote at this point because I don't even remember how he said it. But here's how I say it. The thinking that gets you into a situation doesn't possess the thinking to get you out. Because if it did, it never would have gotten you there. So you got to surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. That's a Johnny Wimbry quote. That's my favorite quote in the world. My own quote has become my favorite quote. Never thought that would happen. And the reason is because that's the essence of who I am. I wouldn't be living the life right now if I trusted Johnny's thinking. I constantly surround myself around the thinking that outthinks me. If you want to jumpstart, if you want to catapult yourself if you want to like just microwave yourself away from negativity, stop listening to your thinking and only surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. This podcast show is an example of something that's going to outthink you. Books, even movies, there are things that you can do, watch and hang around that are going to bring increase in your life. Because, because it's causing you to think higher than you are capable of thinking of your own. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. It's so true. And uh, Einstein, I believe he the way he put it was, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I can uh, take my own quote and stop giving Einstein credit for it. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> I like I like Michael yours, man. I like yours. Yours yours has a real ring to it. You know, it's wonderful. Okay, it's awesome. I'll start taking credit for my own quote that I was trying to give to Professor Einstein like he needs another one. He just, you know, he just uh, inspired you. <laughs> That's all. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, all creativity is a form of uh, um, very smart theft. <laughs> like, 
Uh, yeah. You know, and that's, you know what? That's crazy. There are no new principles on the planet. None. However, there are new revelations from the principles. Well, there are new ways of expressing them because the old ones become, it's like banner blindness in advertising where people mm. have heard it or seen it so many times that it doesn't hit them. So what makes it new and fresh is the expression Right. That, that, that's, that's unique. And then, then they stop and they go, wow, you yeah. just revealed a secret. You know, the truth is there are no secrets and there are millions of them. Yeah. <laughs> the secret is you. You've always been the secret. The problem is you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the yeah. only way to know it is an invest in knowing it. And, you know, Les Brown said, man, you know, I, I've spent well over a hundred thousand dollars in personal development just between 30 and 40 years old, like well over $100,000. And it was something that Les told me when I was 27. He said, Johnny, information costs, but you better believe it pays for itself. Mm. And that changed everything for me. Mm. Changed everything. The way I look at investing in myself, you know, people will think I'm crazy for spending, you know, $25,000 for a life coach or business coach and things like that. Man, information costs. It's going to cost you now or it's going to cost you in what you lost. I would rather it cost me in what I make versus it cost me in what I lose. Mm-hmm. You know, you anticipated the next question. Eh? Ah, let's do it. <laughs> no, you, you already answered it. I said, are you a student of formal personal development? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man. I am walking. Talk. Listen, I'm not just a student of personal development. I'm handcuffed to it. Like, I I don't really have a choice. I, I don't have a – I didn't come from – I'm not a trust fund baby. You know what I mean? I don't have a choice. Uh-oh. Look, hey, kitty. You're, you're, exciting, you're exciting the cat. She's a student of personal development. Hey. I, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Crying out. That, that's me. I, there was a season of my life where I began to cry out for help, and help was always there. I just wasn't accessing it. It's kind of like the librarian. You know, a librarian should be the richest person in the world because a librarian has access to all the books who have all the answers. Just because you have access to something doesn't mean you're using it. No. Um, I also have spent... uh, Oh, yep, yep, you're right. (laughs) I've also spent uh, probably... I don't know, between 150 to 200,000 on personal development and since 2006. And I feel like, I feel like you do. I mean, every time I've invested in something, the money has come back twofold, threefold, five, tenfold all the time. If I just apply some of it, that's it. It's amazing on how the information that I've paid for, that I've invested in myself has come back in a residual form. It's not even it's not even a one time situation. It's residually it comes and I can't even stop it up to this point. No, it's wonderful. So I think your cat loves me. She does. She does. She's very excited. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> her name is, is her name is Pushkin. So people, Pushkin. people on Instagram now Pushkin is famous on Instagram too. Ah, yeah, Pushkin. So what are no? So what are your personal leadership and team building secrets? 
You know, you've got to lead people knowing that they should pass you up. Mm. When you lead, when you lead with the heart that I want you to be better than me, I want you to become greater than me. To me, that's a real leader. Other than that, you may be a dictator that's hiding under the word leader. A leader should mentor people to be better than them. So that's you know, I, I mean, I've helped over 20 people become multimillion dollar successes over over 20 to 30 of them um, were in their 20s when I met them young. And I believe and, and, I, and I'll say this very confidently. I believe that I've been able to create some of the fastest, most sustained success stories that started from nothing than anybody else I know. And I'm not saying that to knock anybody I know. I'm just simply saying I lead people to become better than me, and I'm never intimidated to pass the microphone. I'm never intimidated to say, hey, show me what you got. But you got to show me that you're real. You got to show me that you have a heart for people and you care about people. And the same thing that I taught you, you won't be selfish with it. You'll teach other people. And to me, that's leadership. Mm-hmm. I love it. Never be afraid to, to teach somebody to be better than you. If, if, if you're afraid to teach somebody to be better than you, you're not a leader. You're a teacher. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I got people on Instagram putting cat cat emojis up now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Instagram, for sticking around with us, man. We're like, this is going to be an amazing show. I can't wait. Yeah, Pushkin, you're famous, man. That's fantastic. Um, what are the biggest challenges facing youth today? Man, just personal value. I believe, you know, even when I was a youth, it was kind of like the same stuff, but it's it's on a higher level now because of social media. You know, our youth will slow down to celebrate someone else's value more than they celebrate their own. Mm-hmm. Like they'll spend more time following people that are sensationalized that they love and they forget to love themselves. Like I don't want anybody to follow me and love me more than you love yourself. And this is why my message is always about self-love. It's always about self-increase. Um, but I just believe that, you know, our youth will continue to spiral until they learn how to celebrate themselves the way they celebrate others. Like they celebrate lipstick now. They celebrate, you know, um, eyelashes. They celebrate purses. They celebrate shoes. They celebrate cars and planes and and I, you know there's not one song that i know better than i know me mm-hmm. I, I, I know the lyrics to many songs but not one of those songs do i know better than i know me so if you're going to invest time knowing something because it's cool to know you know the latest song the latest fashion the latest this the latest that man listen invest in you that way if you're it, you you can't say you don't have what it takes because you're faithful to someone else. You're faithful to other entities. You've got women walking around with purses that cost more money than they have in their bank. Mm. You got women walking around with shoes because they have a red bottom and they, they you know they're swiping credit cards and here's what I here, here's what it says. And and it's not just the youth, but that's where it starts. That's what we're teaching our youth. We're teaching our youth that if you spend money 
to look a certain way, nobody will ever ask you who you are. But mm. if you spend money on who you are, everybody will know that you have value. But we believe that if you we believe we can purchase a man-made object to reflect value. I can walk into a room with if you saw the way I was dressed right now, I got a t-shirt on, I got jeans with holes in it. I can walk into a room and everybody be in a three-piece suit, $5,000 suits, whatever it is, and I'll walk in there, I'll ride up on my bicycle, and I'll be the most valuable person in that room. I love it, man. It's really great stuff, and it's so timely because what I would love to add to that, especially for the younger people listening, because I'm very big on story, as you know, and mm -hmm. Because of social media, which I do love, but it's powerful and seductive, a lot of you are unconsciously comparing yourselves, and you got to really understand that you're not comparing yourself to anyone real. You're comparing yourself to a story yeah. that has developed around the sensationalism that the media has put out there. They're basically images that are now living in your head. It's like when I say, if I'm to meet Robert De Niro, I mean, who is he, really? The only Robert De Niro I know is the Robert De Niro that I have created in my mind. Mm. That, that's true. That's why I feel, so real good. I feel so confident as an actor that if I were to get to have to audition tomorrow opposite Robert De Niro, I say, bring it on. Bring it on, baby. He's just the guy. He's so good, man. He's just that, the he's just the guy. Yeah, and <laughs> man, and I've worked with celebrities. Um, I've life. I've done coaching with celebrities. I've been called by the Kardashians two times. Um, you know, one time to work with Lamar, one time one time to work with Scott, and both of them. I don't know if they backed out. Um, I don't know if if they just didn't want that. But the bottom line is. You know, when you got people around you that are reaching out to people like me, reaching out to people like you, these people are high profile individuals and their fans love them more than they love themselves. And that's when I start getting phone calls. I start getting phone calls from people when family members look at somebody they love and they realize you're being celebrated by the entire world. The whole, that's what the word celebrity means. Celebrity means one who is celebrated. So you're being celebrated all over the world. But you don't know how to celebrate yourself. And that's when I get phone calls. I get phone calls to help those individuals because, you know, it's just a ticking time bomb. If they don't learn how to love themselves and they're living, they're living off everybody else celebrating them. But when they're alone, they, they, they can't even smile at themselves in the mirror. That's where I come in. Beautiful, beautiful. And to, to build on that again for your listeners right now, oh, I think a quick way to overcome intimidation or feeling inferior to somebody is to never think of them or talk to their title, talk mm. to their person. It's like yeah. Bob, Bob Dylan said it in the song, even the president of the United States must sometimes have to stand naked. <laughs> you know, Man, listen, huh? when, when your identity becomes your character, there's a, there's danger in that. Mm. You know, you know, I'm, I'm Johnny Wimbry, the father. I'm Johnny Wimbry, the husband. I'm Johnny Wimbry, the motivational speaker, the businessman, the published author, television personality. But I'm Johnny Wimbry before any of that. 
I've got to master the art of standing on a foundation of loving who I am, even if everybody walked away. Mm, based on your core values. Yeah. Oh, My yeah. core values, man, that, 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 that's something that God put in me, and I'm not going to let anybody take it away. Okay, from a really, we're flying high now. Now we're going to kind of bring I love up, this, man. This is great gonna, We're going to bring the, man, I'm not worried about time either. We're just going to go. I'm going to bring the plane down to a, a lower ground. Let's get it. Do you think there's a common motivation behind the numerous school shootings of the past decade? You know, I believe that whatever you entertain most and whatever you make a priority of the most is always going to win. And if education is the most important thing at a school, at, at, at a school, education is always going to win. I don't know of any programs that's teaching self-value. You know, I believe not in schools, not in schools, no. Yeah, it's, it's almost illegal to touch a kid and say, you know, good job, I'm proud of you. You know, it's almost illegal to sit down with a kid, you know, at a lunch table and have personal time with them as an adult. You know, people think there's something wrong with you. You're going to report you. They're, you know, you know, my brother's a vice principal. I mean, he's a, my brother's a principal of a, of, of a school, and he's been called multiple times. You know, why are you going by these kids' houses? You know, why, you know, why are you, you know, just because he loves them. He cares about them. Education is wonderful, but man, we got to love these kids. We got to touch them. We got to encourage them, pat them on the back. Not touching our youth is touching them. Not saying good job is, is that's, that's not touching them. You, we have to reach out to them. When you see someone in pain, the worst thing we could do is run from it. Um, you know, I'm going to tell, tell you, I've never told anybody this story um, because I don't, I, I don't even know if it's going to make sense. But I used to ride the school bus in high school when I was like a freshman and, and sophomore. And there was this kid that used to get on a bus named Barry. And, man, they used to pick on this kid. And, and this was real bullying. Um, some of this stuff I don't really call bullying. But this is real bullying. They used to pick on this kid. And he was just different. And, they, and, and he wore a trench coat. And then one day I saw something different in his eyes. I literally saw something different in his eyes. And it was almost as if no more. And for some reason, I just started talking to him. I said, Barry, what's up, man? How you doing? And he looked at me like, you know me? I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? How, you know, how you doing? Come to find out he had a gun on him that day. Mm. And I just saw something different. And... He never did anything crazy. I don't know where he is today, but I believe that I made a difference in his life that day because I recognized him. When you see, listen to me, hurt people hurt people. So when you see youngsters, when you see our youth hurt, the worst thing you can do is not say something. 
we got to invest in programs in our school that are not just educating, you know, our kids so they can get great, great, you know, great grades so the school meets their budget on an annual basis. Part of that budget needs to go towards the personality and the character of our kids. Yes. That's uh, on us, man. That's on the adults. That's on us. That's actually, uh, what I love about what you said, what I kept hearing throughout, especially when you got to the Barry story, because the way I've looked at it, these copycat killings, um, yeah. I'll, I sum it up with one word, a profound, well, the one word, insignificance. Yeah. The person feels so insignificant, they're invisible. And they know, especially with the media today, that an act of insane violence like that will, they'll be remembered forever. Yeah. It's, and, you know, and we'll make sure they are. Yeah. And that's sad. It's really sad. But what you're talking about is very, very powerful. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, that's a subject that I would love to tackle. Um, you know, I speak at the Steve Harvey Youth Camp every year. I'm not doing it this year because I'm taking. I'll be on a cruise, and it's next week. And every one of these kids, the, to qualify, the qualify, the, the qualification to be at this camp is you have to have no father in your home. So Steve Harvey is going after and targeting kids who don't have fathers, boys, boys who don't have fathers. And I guarantee you, he is interrupting the pattern of self-destruction in a lot of these youths. Mm. But he cares. He loves them. And he and he creates an atmosphere. And I've seen it. Have you, have you never seen Steve Harvey off camera? I thought I was raw. Steve Harvey is more raw than all of my homeboys from Brooklyn wow. when it comes to, to the way he talks to these kids. He, he could get arrested the way he talks to these kids. But they sign a contract, and when you get on that camp, you're his property. Mm. But he loves them. He, 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 he's disrupting their future to make it better. Mm -hmm. What is the most gratifying work that you do today? Sitting back and watching my work. <laughs> it's very gratifying for me to watch people that I've coached and watch people that I've helped become successful. You know, I was um I was interviewed on a show in Australia and I was asked the question kind of like what you just asked me. You know, what, what what's you know, what's next for Johnny? Where are you right now? And I said, you know, I don't want to die working. I want to die watching my work. And that wasn't even the question they asked me, but that's how it came out. And what I mean by that is I get so much gratitude watching individuals that I have coached, that I've helped become published authors, that I've trained in the professional speaking industry, that I've helped develop as a business person. That is gratitude for me. You know, my 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 trophies aren't an extra million dollars a year. My trophy is helping people become first generation millionaires. And and it's not all about money. Because if, if you fight to be a first generation millionaire, you're fighting some you're fighting for something that's bigger and greater than you, but you can't step on people, you can't hurt people, lie or manipulate. So part of my coaching program, you know, part of the things that I teach people is listen, you know, people fight for status all the time. Why not fight to be a first generation millionaire? You're basically accepting the fact that you're going to interrupt everything 
of poverty that came before you. I love, mm -hmm. love doing that. You know, um, I'm holding in, in, in my hand right now. I know you can't see it because we're on a radio show or, or a podcast show. I'm holding my book, my, uh, a book in my hand called The Breakthrough. And here's why <laughs> the cat's meowing again. It's good stuff. Yeah. Here's where I am at in my life right now. Where I'm at in my life right now, Lewis, is I'm helping develop the next, the, you know, the, the next Les Brown, the next Susie Orman. I mean, the next, you know, uh, Jim Rome, Brian Tracy, Dr. John Gray, Zig Ziglar. Uh, I'm, I'm really on a, in a fight of life right now to help elevate the voices around the world of people who want to bring impact. And I know by helping people become published authors, um, I've helped over 100 people become published authors. I've helped dozens of people become professional speakers. A lot of my authors are now professional speakers. And what I want to do in my life right now, I'm in a season of helping people elevate their platform and helping them find their voice at the exact same time, find their key message, and empower them and throw them into the world the right way so they're not losing and, 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 and you know, taking the risk of, of never being seen again because they were rolled out the wrong way. I roll people out the right way, um, and, and, and that's, that's an, an amazing ag agenda that's, that, I, that keeps me up at night is to help individuals who are listening right now that say, you know, I want to be a published author. I just don't know how to get started. I want to be a professional speaker. I just don't know how to get started. I show people how to get started the same way Les Brown showed me. Mm. I love the passion in your voice, too. Thank you. That keeps me up at night. Well, yeah, it's, you know, and you can't fake that, man. I mean, that's like, no. that, that's authentic. That's the authenticity. If people are just saying it, but, you know, it's like they, they're saying it because it, they, it's supposed to be said. Nah, you can hear it. It's fake. It's phony. No, it's going to outlive me. It's going to outlive me and it's going to be generational. And I mean, you'd be amazed on some of these stories and some of these individuals that I've worked with, that I am working with, um, that are, that are financially successful. Finance is not even an issue in their life anymore. And they come from nothing. And now they're helping other people do what I taught them how to do. Mm. And that's the ripple effect, man. Don't, you don't have to be connected to all of your success. You could just create success in someone else. And then it continues to go and grow. Mm. And I'm okay with that. Beautiful. What is your favorite book besides your own? <laughs> um, man, you know, my, my answer evolves based on the season that I'm in. If you asked me that about 10 years ago, a very easy, quick read um, was Who Moved My Cheese? That was about 15 years ago. Um, it was so simple for me, and it just really woke up a sleeping giant. Um, my ongoing favorite book is, is the book of Proverbs, which is in the Bible. I can read that over and over and over again, regardless of your belief system. There are so many foundational success principles in the book of Proverbs. And even if you don't understand it the first time you read it, just read it again and again and again. There's 31, um, chapters. So you can read one a day, one a day. And I did that for years, man. And it's amazing. Um, but, um, and I know that people are wanting me to say a book that everybody knows. Um, I'm just very practical. And there's a book that I'm working on right now. And I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the title. I just finished it. And this book that I just finished is the absolute best book I've ever read. Not I've ever written. It is the best book I've ever read. 
and it's mine. And it, and that sounds, you know, self-promoting, but it may not be the best for you. It man, when I when I went back and reread this book for line editing, it woke up a giant. You can tell the difference in my post in the last 14 days. And it was a book that I written that caused that. That's crazy. Fantastic. It's crazy. It's kind of weird to say out loud, but it is. It's my favorite book right now. And Listen, it's not even out. Nobody even knows it. Ex- nobody else can read it but me right now. Muhammad Ali, you know, I am the greatest. Yeah. yeah. And you know go. what's crazy is I talk about that in my first book, From the Hood to Doing Good. He was bold enough to say that in the mirror way before he was bold enough to say it in public. I know. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pushkin. And your Pushkin favorite, repeat your favorite quote, which is your own quote. Wow, wow, listen to that one. That was a long one. Yeah. Getting a lot of love from Pushkin over there. Yes. My favorite quote, which, um, well, I'll, I'll give you two. My favorite quote that created like earth shattering uh, increase in my life or change, if that's a word that we want to use, mm-hmm. it was from a guy named William Ward. And I didn't know what he was, I, I never read his book, I didn't know who he was, but I think Les Brown quoted him on stage one day. He said, William Ward says that adversity causes some people to break, but it causes others to become record breakers. Mm. And lo and behold, he was a professor at a college in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> and I'm from, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I did research on him maybe 10 years later. Let me see. I quote this guy. Let me go see who he is. He was a professor. He wasn't even famous. He said adversity causes some people to break, but it causes others to become bre- record breakers. And that changed. And number two, uh, of course, my quote um, like keeps me on the edge of my seat. It holds me accountable in a level that I can't even articulate. And that is you, um, surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. Mm-hmm. That, that quote keeps me more accountable than anything else. Surround yourself around or surround yourself with? Surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. You don't have to, you don't have to say anything. Just be around it. You don't even have to be noticed. There's so many rooms that I've been in serving, like water, tea, coffee. Nobody knows who I am. I'm just around the information that outthinks me. Beautiful. Takes humility, too, and confidence. I do it out of selfishness. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an informed and, and, and enlightened selfishness. Yeah, exactly, man. It, that's 100% true. So I think you've kind of answered who is your ideal client. I mean... My ideal client is someone who's hungry. Okay. Oh, like that's less. Can you say it yeah. like say it like he says it? You gotta be hungry. <laughs> no, no, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be hungry. <laughs> person tell that story at least fifty times. <laughs> Listen, man. I um, you know, my ideal client is somebody who wants it. And here's what I tell people. I don't show people how to want to be successful. I don't coach people how to want to live a better life. I teach people how to. So, you know, they, they say you can't, you, you, can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. That's not true. If I crammed, if, if I got dirt or sand and I put it in a horse's mouth, trust me, that horse is going to go drink some water. I'm not a cramming agent. I'm an agent of increase. There's a huge difference. I can I, I can catapult increase in your life. You just have to subscribe and want it first. And I just made it my mission in life 
to not push people to a place that they don't want to be. Mm. That, that's not my client. Mm. Send them to the Dr. Phil. <laughs> How can people contact you? You can contact me on any um, any outlet on social media at Wimbry, my last name, at Wimbry. Um, to make it simple for you, if you want to find me on my website, go to CoachJohnny.com. CoachJohnny.com. It's like Johnny Carson, Johnny Depp, Johnny Blaze, Johnny the character that you played, spelled the exact same way, J-O-H-N-N-Y. CoachJohnny.com. Find me there. And if you're listening to me right now and, and you are serious, in 2019, you want this to be your breakout year, go to CoachJohnny.com right now. Fill out the form, and we'll contact you for an interview. If you truly want to become a published author and you're serious about it and you don't want to spend money the wrong way, you don't want to waste money, you don't want to you know, regret doing it the wrong way and having to spend an extra $10,000, $20,000 for reprints and redoing it the wrong – I mean redoing it because you just don't know what to do the first time around, go to CoStarAuthor.com. Like right now, myself. Les Brown and a few other of my internationally famous friends are co-authoring a book together, and we're looking for people who have breakthrough stories. We're looking for people who have stories of persistence, stories of overcoming adversity. And I'm not just talking about rags to riches or tragedy to triumph. I'm talking about people who just, you know, refuse to give up. Like with me, you know, I, I you know, I, I fought to get my insurance license by just taking extra steps. If that's you, if you got a story, females, man, there's so many stories out there. Ladies, man, I, I, I'm elevating ladies on a global platform right now, and they are going to be beast in their subject. If you want to become, if you want to become a brand ambassador of your subject, let me coach you how to find your keynote subject, whether it be writing or mastering the stage. If that's you. Go to CoStarAuthor.com right now. CoStarAuthor.com. One word. CoStarAuthor.com. Fill out that form, and we'll set an interview up uh, with you within the next 24 hours. That is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today? <laughs> you know, that's really, I, I love it. I love it's about storytelling. Listen, find your story that's going to be a service to others in a way that it outlives you. Wow. I got to write that one down. <laughs> Find your story. You know, Find your story in a way that's going, that to, going be to be a, a service, a service to the masses, and it's going to outlive you. When you do that, you're not writing to be an entertainer. You're not finding your voice because you want to entertain people. You want to impact. And if it impacts them when you're gone, it's none of your business. You're a servant. You're a ser When you are a servant, the, the reward is none of your business. I love getting testimonies from people around the world saying, Johnny, you said something that changed my life. You said something that moved me. I love that. But if I never get it, it's none of my business. If someone figures out who I am, a hundred years ago, and I'm long gone, but they take my story and they go change the lives of a of hundred thousand people, then I'm still living. Hmm. Serve in a way that your story will serve the masses and it outlives you. Wow. 
Listen, man, this has been a joy today. It's been a thank you. This will be one of my funnest and favorite interviews I've ever done on any show, not just a podcast. You are the man, brother. You right are. Now. You are too, man. I, I'm. I'm. I'm very high right now. <laughs> I, I was going to do some editing after, but I got to first come back down and land on Earth. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. Please, man. Um, I when, when you know when this show goes, um, I promise I'm going to share it and reshare it with my entire um, database, my entire audience, brother. C- continue to do what you Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you. And by the way, to the people who are still here on Instagram, really, you guys, I have never, I've done, this is my 206th episode. I have never allowed someone to hear the show before it was published. But you guys have heard it, and it hasn't been published. It'll be published on Saturday. That's awesome. They're grateful, man. They're showing you love. And um, actually, I had to reset Instagram because they only let you record for 90 minutes and wow. for an hour, I think an hour. I had no idea how long we were going. I was having so much fun. But uh, they're back with us. They heard what you just said. And um, my man, I appreciate you, Louis. Uh, continue to do what you do. And I look forward to uh, being on your show again. Oh, listen, I'm sure that's going to happen, my friend. Thanks right. again. And thank you, storytellers, for being part of this experience today. Share the value that you got from this episode with the world by visiting iTunes and where it asks for a review, simply express your biggest takeaway. The moment you do that, you will learn it on a deeper level and it will have a ripple effect in other people's lives as well The show will climb the iTunes ranks and reach a lot more people. Everybody wins. And, of course, they will ask you to leave a star rating. Hopefully, I have earned five stars from you. And thank you in advance for leaving your AHA review and a rating for the show. Of course, every episode leaves you with rich material to apply transformatively to your life. So think about what you received today and then think about an area of your life where you want to grow and expand, perhaps have a major breakthrough. Then apply what you've learned to that area of your life and begin by asking How can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.